Hey there, I'm Greg Finn, filling in for Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. And it is officially Marketing O Talk. On these special episodes, we take a break from just reading the news and take a deeper look at a specific digital marketing topic. Today, we're going to look back at what happened with Google Ads in 2020 and how all of us good advertisers can flourish here in 2021. This is a bit of a deeper dive than our special show we had at the SEJE Summit, but there's going to be some repetition, but this is specific to Google Ads. So there'll be some repetition, but a whole bunch of new stuff. And just like our famous Friday news shows, you can check, catch this episode on YouTube, head over to marketingclock.com. You can get the direct link to see the smiling faces of our special guests. And first up, our guest is somebody that you may know, digital marketer here at Cypress North and Marketing O'Clock co-host, Mr. Mark Saltarelli at Marketing by Mark is here with us. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Greg. Happy to be here. Always a party. Not that I have too much of a choice, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> All right. And I'm so excited. Next up, we are also joined by the fabulous Anu Agdebola, the host of the PPC Chat Roundup Show, and uh, maybe just the biggest like digital marketing company out there that is acquiring everybody. And I need to check and see if you've acquired us yet. Um, Brain Labs, Brain Labs Digital, and Anu is the CMO over there, and you can find her on Twitter at the Marketing Anu, and of course PPC Chat Roundup. If you ever miss a PPC Chat uh, weekly Twitter chat, or even if you catch it, there's a lot of great input that Anu adds and layers on. It's the icing on the cake. Thanks for being here, Anu. Such a pleasure, Greg. Like, you've just been like amazing cheerleader of mine for like a while. So it's just such my honor and I'm just so grateful to be here. Awesome. And finally, last but not least, we have the one, the only, the former <laughs> editor-in-chief of Search Engine Land, a founding board member of the Paid Search Association, maybe most importantly, a 2019 Klocksker winner, which is over <laughs> on her shelf. You can see it on YouTube. The amazing Ginny Marvin. Thanks for being here, Jenny. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Mark. And what a pleasure to be here with you as well, Anu. So I'm, I'm really thrilled. Thanks so much. All right. And sorry, everybody, you're stuck with me moderating the discussion on Google search here today, but I'm keeping it positive on this side. Um, but we are going to start with some of the things that happened in 2020. And we'll have links over to any of the articles that Ginny covered. They're literally all the articles we're gonna talk about and all of Anu's recaps too. So if you want more in-depth information, we'll have that right over for you on Marketing O'Clock. So first up, let's talk about the biggest ad change we saw in 2020 with Google, search queries. So back in September, we saw a tweet that uh, came from PPC Rachel, listener of the show. Um, Changes to the search terms report. We're updating the search term report to include only terms that were searched by a significant number of users. And let's start with you, Anu. I know this caused quite a stir in PPC chat. And you, again, you have a covered a full episode on this and yeah. we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, what were people saying about this? People were not happy. That was the <laughs> consensus in one sentence. People were not happy. Um, it was just like, you know, a lot of annoyance, especially with like with the smaller accounts where people were um, really relying on spending that money on the most, like the key, the search terms, or they're driving the efficient clicks that were driving good conversions. People were actually seeing that some of the conversions were being missed or as in like, they'll see that a, a, a conversion came through, but because Google's not showing all the search terms, they didn't know what search term that conversion came through as, so they couldn't optimize towards that search term, which is always like a key part of people's like, you know, paid search people's strategy and, and how they do that. So it, there was quite a bit of an opera and just loads of different examples and people tagging Google ads in their complaints on Twitter as to how this was just such a bad idea. So yeah, I, the general consensus was a lot of grumbling and yeah, week on week. And even after the, the week we, we did the chat, there were still several grumblings like weeks and months later. Yeah, and so, so Anu, have, have you seen any information on what is significant? Do you have any thoughts or anybody talking about the, the terms that are not deemed to be significant? I think that that is a difficult one because yeah, this is Google deciding. Um, and even when we talk about 
Google deciding what searches are significant or not, I, I don't think they should really should take that power. If, if, I, if you allow me to even go back to another update that they did, that was that also caused a bit of opera when they made like introduced close variants and like you know doing search intent. It's that whole search intent thing that people feel that a client knows better than Google and Google has messed that up as to what exact is exact match is no longer exact anymore. We keep saying because, you know, now several, several searches can come through exact match based off that example of the AI, not really getting it right. I don't have a lot of faith that Google now deciding what is not significant, you know, that they will get that right as well. It's yeah, it's, it's a little bit, I, I, I feel like oh, that was, that was not a, decision that was made in the best interest of most paid search people. Okay. And Ginny, I think you were sort of the champion of the people there for a little while in September. And I'm going to read one quote from an article you had over at Search Engine Land. And the name of the, uh, the article was, Google search terms move will make millions in ad spend invisible to advertisers. And the quote reads like this. This morning, I negated a word that cost a campaign more than $3 for the one click it received in a brand campaign last week. I didn't add the whole query, just one irrelevant word that triggered a brand keyword. Going forward, I might not ever see that type of word or know it showed up across multiple low volume queries. And that's the problem, right? Yes, that's the problem. I mean, I think so you know, for small accounts, um, the issue is you're dealing with such tiny budgets and every cent, every dollar counts and losing that visibility makes optimization that much harder. And then, but if you're also talking about large volume accounts, um, not being able to do like engram analysis and really understand how these um, little things add up to very big volumes may be impacting your, um, your performance. And I think, you know, one of the things is, you know, will this make your account perform worse? Not necessarily, but the real issue is that we can't evaluate and act on what we can't see. Um, that said, I mean, privacy is, no one's gonna argue that privacy is important and, um, and critical. And I think overall, um, we should be preparing for less and less data at our fingertips. Um, and it's not just gonna be in Google, it's going to be uh, in all the ad platforms we use. And so this really gets at this kind of um, inherent tension that we have with automation and our ability to act on and understand how these algorithms are working. And we all know that they are not perfect, that there are mistakes that, that happen and or either it's because the data that, um, that advertisers have been feeding in isn't great or the uh, signals that the uh, algorithms are using aren't robust enough, whatever, whatever it is, we, we know that these things aren't, aren't perfect. Um, and so it's this inability for the checks and balances that I think gets to the heart of this issue is why there's this big concern. Um, and, you know, to Anu's point, this coupled with close variants getting blown up um, just means that it, it exacerbates this whole issue. So if close variants were still strict, I think many of us would be having, you know, approaching this conversation a little differently, right? But because the, those controls have already been um, unhinged, then, you know, this just makes it that much harder to really understand what's going on in the black box. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know you said it's really gonna impact some of those folks with lower budgets. And I had a good suggestion for them. It came straight from Google. Um, in my optimization score, raise your budgets. Just a joke. It's a solution to all of our problems. <laughs> Just throw money at it. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think the close variant issue is real. And the fact that I know, I know, Mark, you've been very vocal about this as well. Um, and it spawned a, a post over on Cypress North. Again, we can link over to it showing some of those, those close matches while we still had all the search query data. And Mark, that, that's one of your biggest concerns, correct? 
Yes, and I think Ginny said it very well that it's really when you combine these two things, it is really just such a terrible, perfect storm of what is going on. And close variance as a concept makes sense. Let's match a keyword to something that has the same exact meaning because who knows what people are actually typing in to get to a query, but it doesn't work. When some of the matches I've seen in my accounts are literally insane. I have a manufacturing client. They are an industry leader in what they do. They are an app platform. They do manufacturing automation. Um, they have IoT for manufacturing. Really amazing. We're bidding on things like production tracking software. That is mapping to produce tracking software. I think we can all agree that in orange is very different than manufacturing something. And it's insane. And that isn't just happening in that one account. I have a software that was um, for sales automation and the keyword sales automation software was being mapped to just automation software. And very similar things like the word system is continuously dropped. So if you're using that as a bottom of the funnel modifier to say, okay, this keyword now has purchase intent because it has the word system in there, then they don't care. They're just dropping that. And you might have something that's like manufacturing management system. And then it's just mapping to manufacturing management. And in the same vein, in some of these highly regulated industries, the word system is not a synonym for software. The word system is referring to a combination of processes and people and rules and software and technology and physical things working together. And when they're saying in another case where system and software are the same thing, it's really could be so far from the truth for so many industries. And then the absolute worst one I saw is the keyword electronic logbook mapped to Epstein's logbook. And if someone is searching for Epstein and your brand shows up for that query, that is a bad look. And with this instance, you would not be able to see that. And it's so easy for someone to just screenshot this and be like, this company is advertising on Epstein. And it could just turn into some sort of PR nightmare because you don't know that you're showing up next to that. It is crazy. And I think the thing that is the worst of all is that when this happens in Microsoft ads, I can email my rep, send them the bad examples. They send it over to their engineering team and then fix that. And then I've actually gotten refunded for really bad close variants. And they've taken that into account. With Google, you can't offer that same feedback. They're not giving us an option to help them fix close variants like Microsoft is. And it's kind of like you're th making us use this terrible automation and you're not giving us a way to fix it. If we could see search terms, we could fix it on our own with negatives, but we can't do that. And you're just forcing us to use this product that really isn't working the way it was intended to. Yeah. And <clears throat> Anu, can, please tell me that Daniel has some crazy script workaround and you guys can see all the terms. Is there anything you got over there that you're doing to, to help out? Uh, I, unfortunately, <laughs> I think we are still stumped on that one specifically because um, it's all about the API, you yeah, know, yeah. what Google likes yeah. to give through the API. And um, yeah, even though we've got like a whole bunch of geniuses, you know, behind the scene, always starting trying to get the most out of well, that one. That one is a bit, yeah, we're, we're blind to that one as well. Yeah. Um, all right. And then, Ginny, I want to go back to something else in that article that you wrote where you said, this requires more trust than Google has earned. I'm no Luddite when it comes to automation, machine learning, and AI. If it means better results and less work, bring it on. But we aren't at a point where marketers can take our hands entirely off the steering wheel. Um, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, well, um, I was clearly worked up a bit when I wrote that. Um, and, uh, but I, and, and truly, I am pro automation. I, I mean, I don't want to make keyword lists any more than anyone else does. I don't want to be doing the rote 
you know, mundane task work that we definitely used to have to do back in the day, right? But, um, you know, I just go back to that we really are, it, it, we're in this transition period, I would say, and still very early days of, um, of machine learning and AI being injected into every aspect of um, campaign um, management and execution. But, um, but we are early days. And I think that's where like we get end up with the carp for the horse. And I think all, I, I won't speak for all advertisers, but I think a large majority of advertisers welcome a lot of the automation. Uh, but also want automation that works and wants visibility and transparency as much as is possible. And again, I go back to having no qualms about privacy protections. I think, you know, we went too far afield as an industry and marketers, I will lump us all together, went too far afield in um, being data hungry and grabbing, 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 even if we weren't even using it. So um, I, I really do think that uh, we are going to have to be much more judicious in the data that we use. That, and certainly we're going to be much more limited in the data that we have access to. Um, but that said, I still think that there is a, a, a cause to have a voice for being able, whether it's giving feedback mechanisms to Google that Microsoft supports, things like that, to be able to provide those checks on the automation is still really critical for, uh, for trust and, um, and performance. Awesome. Awesome. And, and Mark, let's just finish off quickly. Is there anything you're doing to combat this for your clients? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think it's kind of, you have to anticipate how close variants are going to work. We've seen these patterns. We know what's going to happen. So with me, for my clients, whenever I'm launching a new campaign, I take my keywords and I try to come up with as many close variants as possible. So first, what I do is I just do some like basic find and replace. Like let's take every single one of my keywords that has software in it and let's remove the word software from it and add that as a negative exact match. And any other important word that makes the difference between whether or not this keyword is relevant to my client's business, I'm adding that as an exact match negative. The other really big tip here is to use Google Keyword Planner to find close variants because you can plug in your keyword list and you're using the same algorithm that Google's using to make close variants and to make suggestions in your account. They're also using that to suggest other keywords to you in the Keyword Planner tool. So put your keywords in a keyword planner, look at the suggestions, and then any really bad suggestions, add those as negatives when you're launching your campaign. And then you're just preventing those bad matches from happening as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And if you want more information as well, over at Brain Labs Digital in the resources section, there's an entire repository of scripts. Um, and so again, there's not that magic script yeah. I was hoping for. Maybe off the air, you can get that one to me. Um, I there is a script that you've run. There is a script that, that, that we do have that allows you, and that was even like from the first time, like years ago when Google introduced like close variants, that we created a script that allows you to add a negative, add as a negative automatically to your, your account on campaign or ad group level. Um, if there's any close variants coming through that is not relevant to your search, um, and you just want that automatically done, run on a, on a regular basis. I think there's even also a script that, and this might be actually a Fred Valley's one, where they, they just does a report on what how close variance is performing against your actual keywords so that you actually see whether you actually need to add them as negatives or not. Because obviously you don't want to automatically put the negatives in if they could be doing something useful to your account. So it's always worth analyzing first. Great. And now we're going to have to push ahead here to some other Google enhancements and tweaks that happened in 2020. 
and we saw a rival of many new things. So in market for shopping ads, in market audiences, um, before weren't for shopping, now they are. Google combining custom affinity audiences and custom intent audiences, uh, lead forms for discovery on YouTube. And we've seen the beta on desktop as well, which is, looks really cool. And a bunch of other good policies to help discrimination, such as uh, demographic, zip code, housing, employment, credit ads. So there are many good things as well. I think sometimes to Ginny's point, we get stuck a little bit on some of the negative stuff there. Um, so it, it's worth noting all that. And, um, you know, Ginny broke pretty much every single piece of that news there. So was there something that you were a big fan of that happened in 2020? Um, I mean, I think in market audiences for shopping ads, if you're in shopping and they can work really well. I mean, I, I've just seen in market generally, not always, um, but they can really be um, really effective. And I will say um, Microsoft's got always got new in market audiences going as well, not for shopping yet, but that's another thing to think about in that it doesn't, um, those audiences, it, like if you're like, I, I've got my Microsoft ads running, but I don't have UET set up yet and you, you just haven't gotten there. Um, I will just say, quick note that you can use in market without having UET. I mean, you should, if you can get your UET set up, your tracking set up, that would be great. Um, but if you're like, I just wanna port over my uh, Google ads campaigns and get running, um, your, your text ads can, can use those in market. Um, you know, the lead forms, I don't know. I'd love to hear what people are, are seeing if you're testing those um, at all. I have had limited experience testing them. So I'd love to hear others' thoughts on those. All right, and, and we'll get to that at, at the end here. Anu, is there anything that you really loved that happened here in 2020? Um, it was hard. It was for me, especially for the things that I use, I thought there was a lot of stuff that was done in t around audiences, which I was impressed with. Um, although unfortunately in terms of audiences, we do use more like paid social kind of work. So mm -hmm. nothing that sticks out of, in, in my head that, you know, that was on board, that was, I was able to actually make use of and so it's actually able to say that, oh yeah, that came out, I tested it and, you know, it's been working great for me, unfortunately, but maybe that'll change this year, hopefully. Cool. Well, and to your point, I mean, one thing that makes this year so hard, especially if you're in e-commerce and you're doing shopping is you're like, how are you benchmarking improvements? Um, because everything's just going up unless you're in some really unfortunate sector of e-com. But um, I, I will say that like you, all these, um, enhancements or improvements that you're seeing in shopping is somewhat hard to mm. pin down what the uh, um, contributions are outside of market forces. Yeah, this, this year's Q3 might be a tough, tough comparison as well. Like, just be ready for that because there's nothing like that 2020 Q3. Um, all right, and, and Mark, anything that you really stood out, and I know the answer to this and you kind of gave away a little bit at the East Summit, but I think it has something to do with the lead forms that Ginny mentioned before. Um, anything that you, that you saw that you really liked? Yeah, I mean, you, you called it. It's the lead forms are what I was most excited about as someone who basically exclusively does lead gen. I am a B2B marketer at heart. My only thing is I haven't really gotten to use these because most of my clients, I am only running desktop for, for the most part on paid search, just because we don't see that kind of conversion because anyone is like, they're doing research on their phone, but they're not filling out the form or making that purchase or kind of taking that action on their phone. They're doing research and then converting on desktop. So paid search where pushing someone to a lead form isn't really at mobile for my clients. So I was really excited to see this start to be extended to YouTube and desktop. And I can't wait until I have access to do lead forms on desktop, because that is something I will be testing the minute I have access to it. I am so excited about that. Yeah. And they, they look a little wonky now, but you know, I'm sure it's only getting better. Yeah. I mean, they're a little bit wonky, but I think they're close enough to what we have on LinkedIn and Facebook. They're not perfect, 
but I think they're still going to work in a capacity once I can use them. Cool. All right. And then, so this year we also saw some, like I, you can call them improvements. I think they're like thinly veiled improvements that might not be improving the performance of your account, but we should talk about them. So if you're just coming in, you're like, I need to refresh my account here in 2021, you should know these things. Um, so Ginny, back in November, you had an article called Google's auto-applied recommendations catch advertisers and agencies off guard. I know in here in our Slack, Mark, I think had a panic attack when we saw this going through. Everybody was just <laughs> running through our accounts. Mark, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Shaplik literally screamed, I think, <laughs> when she saw this. And it is just so disheartening that you can do everything right for your client. Your account is perfect. Campaigns are killing it. And if you forget to turn this off, Google is just going to hack you over. And you have things that you don't want in your account running that could really hinder your performance. <laughs> so anyone listening who hasn't looked at this, go over to your account settings and make sure this is turned off. And I hadn't really seen it firsthand. I right away made sure it was turned off for all of my clients. But then we brought on a new SaaS client here at Cypress North in December. And they're a design collaboration and project management software for email marketing. And when I started auditing their account when I brought them on, it was absolutely horrifying to see some of the recommendations that were applied. Mm -hmm. They had this um, responsive search ads that were automatically applied in every active ad group that literally had misinformation about their product. And this had been, the account had been previously run by a very like scrappy um, demand generation consultant who was doing like everything for them. So someone who's not a Google ads expert just kind of knows how to use it. And the client had no idea this ad was running. When they saw it, they were horrified because it didn't really mm -hmm. make sense about their product. And then on the keyword side, I couldn't tell if this came from these auto-applied recommendations or if this their previous consultant had just accepted recommendations for that optimization score. But 90% of these keywords were absolutely unacceptable for a paid search campaign for this client. They were very either awareness-based keywords or things that are just not closely related enough. They were mm. just the names of marketing automation platforms or ESPs. That's going to work. And I'm just like free keywords. It's like they have some free downloads and things, but it's not a free software. Like support related queries, like how to add a signature in Gmail and just random how-to keywords, email signatures, anything that you could tie a string to email with on a conspiracy theory board was in this account. And I could not believe it. I was like shop, like I was literally just like slacking shop being like, you would not believe the keywords in the account. And I'm just sending her these keywords mm -hmm. and like sending screenshots. And I literally could not believe what was going on here and, and I, I, i'm gonna have to stop here for one second because i as bad as those keywords are obviously they're terrible i think one of the things that almost seems a little bit more malicious and maybe anu or Ginny, you can cover this as well um was not just the keywords but the fact that if they are applied um via this beta they do not show in the change history so any thoughts on that i know ppc chat wasn't too happy with it of course not. Like that was, that was just shocking. Um, yeah, no, definitely. We're not happy with that. And that's the thing. I, I feel like our conversations are the things that we're not happy about, you know, tend to stand out more than, than any of the positive, positive things that we're saying. And, uh, you know, and so yeah, Google really should take note of that. And, um, yeah, so yeah, those, those recommendations, those auto recommendations coming in, we're just not great. And especially now that, you, that that even gets implemented through AdWords editor as well. So not just even on the, you know, your desktop UI was also like a big thing that, you know, we didn't really like. Um, yeah, it's just the whole taking the control away from us, taking control as to what we've done and, you know, all the things, amazing optimizations that we've implemented. Um, or as Mark said, you know, just people who don't know what they're doing and just literally going, oh yeah, Google said so, so I'll do it. And they then, you know, and, and that's how people have, you know, given recommendations or implemented recommendations, which annoy me. I mean, some of the guys I used to work with when they've implemented something that has horribly gone wrong and they will, I'd be like, 
why did you implement that? They're like, oh, it was a Google recommendation. I'm like, for the last time, never just do anything just because Google said it. Like, think for yourself first. Like, I will not accept that as a reason ever again if you just come to me and say, Google said I should. Even if it's a good option, if you don't tell me why personally you think that should be implemented, like, yeah, that's still not a good enough reason to just implement something Google said. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just that taking away the control from us that I just don't like, really. Okay, and we're going to fly ahead here because we have to get to 2021. Um, so, Ginny, I'm going to ask about an uh, article you had back in October that was called Google has been rolling out, quote, simplified, unquote, location reports in the Google Ads UI over the past month or so. Um, and in the article, you said, anytime a platform uses simplified or streamlined to describe a change, we have to wonder if it's a red herring. Does it provide an easier way to get at the same access data and functionality, or is it simplified, wink, wink, with featured and data stripped, with features and data stripped out? So um, just of note, you can still see the locations, but um, any, did you ever get any issues with that? I, 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 love, I, I read these articles and I just laugh when I- when Oh, I if, 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 from, if I heard any feedback on yeah, that from- Yeah, from the, the, the Google team. No, I don't think so. I that I recall, no. Um, but I, I was, I just had, I did have some trouble just like really nailing down what exactly was um, happening here. But no, I didn't get any pushback about what I, what I wrote. Um, and I suppose as marketers, we can appreciate the uh, marketing positioning of Simplified. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I do think. <laughs> that you know our our uh, ears should perk up when we when we see things like that so it yes it is technically simplified the only thing i would say on this is that and i lay that out in this article is i mean the issue here is that if um if someone is in new york and searching for restaurants in paris that you can no longer see that you're either wasting or um, getting great returns on people searching from New York. Unless you go to the report editor, and I guess this is incentive to start playing around with the report editor. Um, Audience Insights is in there now as well. That was an update recently. Um, but you can still, if you go in, create a kind of a, what I would call a user location report in re report editor, go to make a custom report and just in the row um, search field, just search for user location. And you'll see all the different granularities that, um, that are available. It goes down to like zip code and neighborhood. So that's, that's a kind of workaround. Um, you can't really filter uh, and sort that well within that. So you may just export to Excel and do your magic in there. But. Yeah, and you might, you might be able to make an argument that it's simplified, but you can definitely make an argument that there's way more friction in making changes going to that different report. But again, we'll have a links to that article over um, yeah. on marketing o'clock. Yeah, I guess I, and I would just say like, just make that report, save it in your, in mm -hmm. your accounts and then just check it periodically kind of thing. Okay, flying here. Anybody have any thoughts on the, the performance max that is the automated insights that go across display, YouTube, discover, search, and are a complement to search campaigns? That was new. Uh, yeah, it brings me to that, what Kirk Williams said, it made the comparison that a lot of the automation that Google's introducing is more of a black hole than a black box. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about Performance Max campaigns. I'm already seeing the quality on YouTube and display going down because of everyone being in different places during the pandemic and your kids are using your computer and there's a ton of like gaming sites that we can't exclude because it just takes forever. And I'm already seeing issues with that. So how am I supposed to trust just like putting my ads out there and then Google putting them across all of their properties with kind of not a lot of control on that? Mm -hmm. All right, and now one of the other bigger changes for agencies or maybe folks looking for agencies was something that if you listen to this podcast, you probably are bored to death of, of me just screaming into the void. So I'll let you all do it this, this week. Um, but search partners and optimization score. Um, it's a decision you have to consider as an agency if you wanna be a search partner. And then if you are looking for an agency, 
back in the day, there used to be an agency directory. You could find people in your area. You could find you know, partners of Google. That's all been removed. And many people are saying that search partners are much more of a sales tool now. And the changes um, may reflect that as well. So now to be a partner, you have to spend um, instead of $10,000 in 90 days, it's $20,000. Um, and, but the biggest thing is your account has to hit a 70% and let's just call it a certain threshold level of um, implementing the recommendations and those and getting that optimization score. Um, so Anu, do you find the recommendations and the optimization score helpful as an agency? Um, I will say, uh, most of the time, no. Um, and we still, we still, yeah, make sure that we, you know, we look at each and every one of them and that we, we are taking, um, using our expertise and our, our experience and our knowledge of the clients and what they need and what the business objectives are, because I think that's, that's, that's a big thing about, you know, as, as, as time has gone on, that's become a lot more important. It's not just about paid search goals or your channel goals. It's about the business goals, business profits, and how your channel is actually, um, um, actually supporting that. And so, yeah, no, it's, it's very hard to say the recommendations will be able to take all of that into account for, for, to make the, the good enough recommendations um, that, that, that the experts needs to do um, for their different channels. So yeah, I'll say mostly no, but thankfully with Brain Labs having like a longstanding relationship with Google, we don't have that too much of that issue we like with the partner issue. So yeah, our spend levels are definitely way up there. Nice. And, and quick news flash here, quick news flash, Brain Labs just bought Google. There's just breaking news there. <laughs> okay. If only. <laughs> so Ginny, you reported this over at Search Engine Land. And if, what was the general sentiment that you saw with this change? Um, concern and frustration, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think to some, the, uh, the monthly spend is like, whatever, um, not that big a deal, but um, it, it's the optimization score uh, that is concerning. I mean, I think if we're looking at a 70% optimization score, it's not probably going to affect that many accounts, honestly. Um, but I, I do think it's more the principle of, you know, when you're looking at some of those recommendations that are just not relevant. Um, and, you know, look, automated bidding is often terrific, but there are times when you're either a, you're restricted in volume and for some reason the system doesn't seem to understand that. Um, and continues to recommend a bidding strategy that just does not make sense. Um, uh, keyword recommendations. I mean, I I just it's, it goes back to the feedback thing. Like, why are there non-brand keyword recommendations being made in brand campaigns that are like just that? That's just like a very basic. I feel like if we just spent a little bit of engineering work on that, um, it, it just would bring joy, right? I mean, just, it seems like it would be fairly easy to, uh, to tell the machines brand is, whether it's even just, this is the name of the campaign, it's called brand. Please don't tell me that, uh, you know, software engineering system needs to be a uh, keyword recommended to me, for example. But, um, so I don't want to rant too much, but I, I do think that there are, there, it goes back to the give and take and the checks and balances and being able to, there's no feedback mechanism that really I, I find is, is useful for advertisers to be able to give this feedback that is really valuable and should be really valuable to Google to be able to improve its own systems. Um, so that's a very long way of getting at um, you know, I, th I think some of the challenges with optimization score, I think the, the idea of it, um, it makes a lot of sense, particularly for less evolved uh, or less active advertisers. Maybe you're a business owner and you just want to come in and find some quick fixes. Um, the problem is if those quick fixes aren't actually great fixes, then it's going to be, it's, it's going to become exacerbated for the people that it actually is meant designed to, to help. Um, 
So, you know, I, I think it's one of those, like it's still early days and we're still like, there's so much possibility there, um, but the, the, the give and take still needs to happen there. Great. And Mark, what are your thoughts on keeping a client account at that 70% threshold? Is there any value for you for that? Yeah, I obviously our listeners know that we think this requirement is unethical. Um, but I also don't think kind of like Jenny alluded to that this won't be that hard to hit in most instances. I don't like it, but it's not impossible. It's very doable in most cases. Most of my campaigns that I've launched recently are currently running above 70%, and I haven't accepted a single recommendation I haven't agreed with. The problem is when we see situations like you had in one of your accounts, Greg, where switching to smart shopping was worth 70% of your optimization score, which is just insane. They're basically saying you can't be a Google partner if you don't run smart shopping campaigns at that point. That is completely impractical for an mm -hmm. advertiser to be forced into a certain campaign type that doesn't necessarily make sense for them. And in that account, we had tested smart shopping and it didn't work for them. And it was including retargeting, which we had in separate campaigns. And it, like, why would we do that? And I think like if my client has campaigns that make more sense to have on ECPC, whether it be for conversion volume or for control, um, if Google makes switching to smart bidding greater than 10% of my optimization score, there's no way I can meet that 70%. Yeah. And, and that's it's like you're where get it gets me. Yeah. You're going to get fired from Google partners or you're going to get fired from your client. Like your client's going to fire you. Yeah. Um, okay. And then any other parting thoughts on the search partner change coming up? In, and, and I know, Ginny, you're not on the, the beat anymore, but it seems like it's still going to be coming in 2021 here. Um, any other final thoughts? Would it potentially degrade the, a search partner in the future? Would you like, would that be in the back of your mind being like, I know this person is implementing these things up to this? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't, I, and I guess I always have seen partner programs and all of the partner programs. I mean, they are at heart sales mechanisms, right? I mean, that it's not, and not just Google's, it's all, all of them. Um, there, there is incentive for spending more with the platform um, and those get built into these partner programs. So I, I think that kind of for a client, that tension has always kind of been there. Um, I do think if you're thinking about hiring a um, an agency, certainly a, I don't think being a partner should preclude you from looking at and you know considering those agencies in any way. I do think it's part of like you're just basic routine. Um, evaluation structures, really understanding how they approach things like automated recommendations, how they think about optimization score, um, what, you know, in terms of just basic due diligence, I think you can wrap that into, um, in, into that process. Great. All right. And we have five, about five minutes here left. So we're going to run through potential changes and tips for success amid uncertainty here in 2021. And I know you had a great episode that if you like this, you're going to love episode 131 of the PPC chat roundup. Um, and it was called, where is Google headed? So where Anu, and, and we lost you on video, but we're still here on audio. So um, what were some of the thoughts that the PPC chat uh, community had? Yeah, sure. I think like a, a few of the, like the really great like tips that we're given where again, you know, doing things around audiences. And um, one of my favorite was like using like LinkedIn audiences and overlaying that on top of like Facebook ads because doing LinkedIn ads can be quite expensive. Um, but then Facebook can be, and but like LinkedIn has all that information with, in terms of like, you know, like seniority, what company someone is working at and those kind of like information that they've gotten there. And you overlay that audiences and pull that in into Facebook to do Facebook ads. Um, that can be like, you know, really useful for 
you know, getting the, the bulk of information from the audiences, but actually doing that as on like a very cheap level and being able to be highly targeted um, with your ads. And that's actually something that we're implementing for like a data pre privacy um, senior training that we're running very soon. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, those, those kind of like mainly like audience changes is something that we're really excited about. Um, in terms of, you know, just other things, whether we're excited or not is, is, is still on, 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 on a tether because um, I feel like Google is just going to continue with more automations. There's all, already like talk that, you know, ETAs are being um, sunsetted where it's only like RSAs, responsive search ads that you can use instead of um, ex uh, expanded text ads, meaning that, yeah, just more automation in that kind of area. So it's just pretty much just keeping on keeping an eye on your accounts and when these updates are coming in because yeah as we as we heard with with um, the the recommendations and auto recommendations there are some things that might just get pushed through without you knowing so we really need to pay a lot more attention with what's going on with our accounts more than ever okay great yeah and and Ginny you you probably on the the PPC side interface with Google more than anyone maybe ever has. <laughs> like, um, do you think that's the case that it's going again more towards that automation um, deliberately? Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that um, that automation is absolutely the future of where these platforms are going. And I think, you know, if you look at um, if you look at Facebook, they because it was uh, started later. I mean, they were already kind of ahead on the automation wagon, right? I mean, there was so few, so much less um, controls and data that you could see. And, but because that's the way it had always been, marketers were like, okay, that's the way it is. So, um, so there's, to some extent, Google is, uh, uh, because we've had been so used to doing everything so manually and so tightly controlled, um, these changes feel much, much, um, much harder to swallow. But yes, I mean, I do, I do definitely think automation is coming. And um, at the same time, there are, you know, there are going to have to be more mechanisms for controls because mm -hmm as we've talked about like five times already on this, um, this session that, um, that the algorithms and the automation are not perfect. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think for marketers to be really thinking um, about what can we control, what in our own data, what do we know about our customers so we can help um, inform how we're, um, we're bidding the audiences we're using, the, what we know about our customers and what makes a great customer versus a, um, a discount customer. And, um, and, and really thinking that through in terms of how, what, what um, controls are there to be able to make the systems work in as best they can in our favor. Great. And then lightning round style here, quick. Um, let's go to everybody. Are there any tips, any words of advice? I, Ginny, that was great. But any, I guess, Mark, Anu, any other words of advice that you have for Google ads advertisers here in 2021? Mark? Yeah, my biggest thing is totally do not put all of your eggs in one basket. I used to have tons of clients who only wanted to run Google ads or back then we called it AdWords. Um, because that's where we saw the most return and that's what they wanted to do. And it made business sense then. And I don't think that is a wise decision anymore because if there's significant changes, you could be losing out on revenue if you need to adjust your strategy to accommodate those changes. So you need to diversify your channels. So when something changes in one ad network, you still have leads or new business coming in from those other networks while you change your strategy on the network with the change. And then I also think you can kind of cross pollinate your data in between platforms. Like if you can pull um, search terms from Microsoft and use that to seed your negative lists in Google, or if you're seeing a keyword work really well in Google or Microsoft, 
Microsoft, you can see if that's a skill you can target on LinkedIn and be successful that way. And just using your strategies on certain paid channels to inform your other ones, and you'll be much more successful that way. Great. And I think Anu is, is having a few um, uh, internet issues. So we'll end it here. I could talk for four hours with, with y'all. This has been absolutely fant fantastic. So thank you, Anu, Ginny, Mark, for joining us here today. We'll have to do it again. We'll have to get more into the future. And you can catch Mark on Marketing Clock every Friday, rain or shine, marketingclock.com. Mark, where can people contact you if they want to talk more about Google Ads? Mm -hmm. Yep. You can reach me on Twitter at marketing by Mark. Just give me a follow, tweet at me, DMs, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me at cypressnorth.com. Um, really, any of those ways are perfect. I would love to hear from anyone out there. All right. And Anu has a must-listen podcast each week, the hashtag PPC chat roundup. She is the marketing Anu. I know a few shows ago you were debating, and I think that's a great one. The marketing Anu, A-N-U on Twitter. And oh, only the CMO at like the biggest digital agency on the planet. Anu, where can people get in touch with you? Did I miss anything? No, you didn't. Like, yeah, that's that 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 really um, covers it. So, like on Twitter, also on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, I, I chat about stuff going on <laughs> with uh, with brain labs and marketing and and my thoughts on especially data privacy, which I think is going to be really big this year. Um, something that Ginny mentioned earlier on, and we're even doing a training on that um, in March um, for senior marketers. So, um, so yeah, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Um, well, PPC Chat underscore Roundup does have um, its profile on Instagram for people. We just like pictures. Um, but apart from that, yeah, those are the main channels. <laughs> All right. And of course, Ginny Marvin at Ginny Marvin on Twitter is an easier way to find her. Um, Ginny, how can people get in touch with you? Anything you got? Um, yeah, Twitter's the best. My DMs are open. Uh, if you do reach me on LinkedIn, I will eventually get back to you. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much. It is officially now not marketing a talk. And if you are looking to subscribe to digital marketing news, and if you like really bad puns, please be sure to subscribe to our regular news show every Friday, just bud, Mark Saltarelli, Christine Zernheld, AKA shop every Friday. Um, and then we're going to have these roundtables once a month. That's what shops tasked me out on and then left me to do. So uh, we'll be here back next month and we'll have to put this back together and get a little more time. Thank you all very much. And we will see you next month. Amazing. <laughs>